morning harvest and it is a joy just to be able to worship with you and be with you today and boy what uh what just some great songs here as we get uh, started in our time in Joshua today um <clears throat> or getting ready to get started into Joshua but some of the words of the songs we just sang let me remind you of some of our strong and mighty God none is higher None is greater, none is stronger. You are Lord of all. You are victorious. You are stronger. One of the uh, key statements we will be seeing next Sunday as uh, we get into Joshua chapter 1 is the statement in Joshua, be strong and courageous. And uh, Harvest, our strong God, yearns to see growing, strong, courageous warriors for himself. And um, I just have a question. Are you interested in being that? Are you wanting to pursue that uh, warrior? Is that your mission? Is that your passion? Is that what you're about? Being a warrior, being a warrioress for the Lord. Um, Well, I want for you to be encouraged by this statement. We'll talk about it here in a little bit. Uh, This warriors for God are built not born. Warriors for the Lord, warrioresses for the Lord, are built, not born. Let me pray as we get going. God, I would pray our time in your word today would be rich and deep because you are rich and deep. Lord, what we've just declared, what we've just laid out from our hearts and song before you are truths about you. God, I pray we wouldn't miss what we just sang. I pray we wouldn't miss the implications of what we just sang about. And it should cause us to ask the question, do we really believe what we just sang about for real? And does it show in our lives? By what we do and what we say at home and at work and around our lives, would we be convicted in court of actually being a person who believes what we just sang? God, we need to be that. We want to be that. And you want us to be that. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to open your word and dig into who you are. Because you are stunning. So I would ask today, would you stun us by you? In your name we pray. Amen. Well, last Sunday was the first of uh, introductory Sundays. It's not very often on a series that I'll do kind of two introductory Sundays, but this series we are. Last Sunday was the first introduction, and it was the big story behind Joshua. Let me just remind you about that. Always a people, always a place, always to the world. Uh, That is a theme that is so important throughout Scripture, and we followed that story through the 90 chapters of Genesis and Exodus, and a flyby over with that last week. Genesis 1, Adam and Eve, God created a people, not just a person, but a people, put them in a place, and he told them to more, I want multiply, expand all over, I want you covering this whole place for my glory. And then we saw in Genesis 9, and things weren't going so great. God brought his judgment. And yet Noah in Genesis 9, uh, through the flood, God gives them the exact same declaration. 
Listen, Noah, I, I want for you and your wife and for your family to multiply and fill the earth with more. Always a place, always a people, always to the world. And then we saw in Genesis 12 and 15, God declares it to Abraham. Hey, I'm going to get this thing started again. And uh, he tells Abraham, he calls him out. How cool of a story at night. He says, Abram, look at the sky. See all the stars? By the way, we don't see all the stars here in our realm. Uh, can you imagine back then with no lights, nothing from the city going on? You're out in the desert and this is happening and you just see bazillions of stars. I don't even know if there is a number called bazillion, but we'll go with that. And you see all those and God says, listen, I'm going to raise up a people like that, that many people. And, and he talks about, I'm going to give you a place and the purpose of that is to go to the world. And then Isaac comes along, Jacob and Joseph. And then in Exodus 3 and 4, we saw Moses comes on the scene. And God tells him, hey, Moses, I want for you to take my two million slave people out of Egypt. And I want for you to take them to a place. And by the way, they're to be a priest of the world, a priest of the nations. Uh, always a people, always a place, always to the world. We finished last Sunday by going into Revelation 21. And taking a look that we see in Revelation 21, God is about being with his people in a place called heaven for all of eternity. And his people are from all over the world. Uh, you need to get this. And the reason I'm pressing it again today is, is if we don't see this theme, this thread, this storyline through redemptive history going on of always a people, always a place, always to the world, Joshua is just not going to make sense. It's just going to be a whole bunch of cool war stories that really don't have a whole lot of relevance for you and I, uh, but it does have a whole lot of revel relevance to you and I, and it does have a whole lot of cool war stories. But uh, know this, in the timeline of things, Joshua is about God's people entering into a place. Okay, that's what this is taking place here as we look in Joshua. So this last Sunday was about the big story that is behind the book of Joshua today. It's about the people behind the book of Joshua. So we're going to take a little on the people. So, And I say a little on the people and a lot on the person of Joshua in your notes. And it's not like lots and lots on Joseph or whatever his name is, Joshua. Uh, it's more time on Joshua than we're going to the people. But I want for us to get a feel of these people next Sunday when we jump into Joshua chapter 1. We already have a feel of the storyline and we have a feel of who the people are. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Turn to Numbers chapter 14. We need to start here to set more of the timeline. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Um <clears throat> Know this, that in the Old Testament, how the story goes, it goes Genesis, then Exodus. Leviticus is kind of along uh, parallel with Exodus, if you will. And then Numbers continues the story from Exodus. So if you want to read chronologically, you go Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, then Joshua. Okay? And, and so the Bible in the Old Testament isn't necessarily written in chronological order, but we're in Numbers chapter 14. You there? Okay, so in uh, Exodus, the people are at Sinai. Numbers picks up uh, with the people at Sinai. In chapter 10 of Numbers, uh, God has them leave Sinai. I don't know if you remember, the tabernacle is there, and when the cloud moves, they move. Uh, they're moving. And so now we're in Numbers chapter 14. We need to hear something about the people to understand. This is a, a key point in understanding Joshua. Uh, Numbers 14, verse 1. Uh, by the way, the spies have just been sent into the promised land. They've come back, given a report. We're going to come back to that later. So we're going to pick up a little bit after that story. Verse 14, chapter 
14, verse 1, Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel did what? Grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, uh, What would that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? How soon we forget what life was really like. Verse 4, and they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. (laughs) Jump down to verse 26, because I think God would have something to say about this. And the Lord spoke to Moses and said to Aaron, saying, verse 27, chapter 14, how long, this is God speaking, how long shall this wicked congregation grumble against me? I've heard the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against me. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing, I will do that. Your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness. And all your number listed in the census from 20 years old and upward who have grumbled against me, not one shall come into the land that I swore that I would make you a dwelling place except, except for these two. Look, Caleb and who's the next one? And Joshua. Verse 31, but your little ones who you said would become a prey. I love this statement. I will bring in. And they shall know that the land that you have rejected. Uh, But as for you, your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness, and your children shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years, and shall suffer for your faithlessness. Parents, does that not turn your heart? Until the last of your dead bodies lies in the wilderness. Whoa, dude. Get a little bit of a sense that God's not happy. Why do I bring this up? Because this passage tells us about the people in Joshua 1. In other words, it's this. When we get to Joshua 1 next Sunday, when we get there, there are two groups of people that really comprise the people of Israel in Joshua chapter 1. First, there's the 40 to 60-year-old group. And the reason that I say that is because if you look at this text, this declaration, this judgment that God has put out in this, uh, he said that those who are 19 years and younger, they will go into the promised land. And and they're wondering for how long? 40 years. So you do the math, 59, some are 60. Okay, so there's a group of people, 40 to 60, and know this, there's no one older than that. that. That's kind of a silencing reality in that. But there's 40 to 60-year-old people, and let's a little bit about them here. Uh, most have some memory of living as slaves in Egypt. I mean, they were anywhere from zero. The zeros don't, and the ones probably don't, and the twos probably don't. And the, the, you know, but if you're like six years in a, to 19, you probably remember something. They remember what it is to be slaves in Egypt. Uh, some have a memory of uh, many of them of the Exodus events, the whole plagues and the crossing of the Red Sea. Many were teens at that time. Uh, Most have some memory of meeting God at Mount Sinai. Most have a memory of this Numbers 14 declaration. Because do you not think that that declaration made Numbers 14 was not talked about? Oh, yeah, it was. 
And they heard about it, and they knew about it. And by the way, these 40 to 60-year-olds, they also knew about the desert. They knew about wandering. They knew about uh, life in a theocracy. They knew about war. So there was a 40 to 60-year-old group that had personal interaction with times prior and during the exodus and slavery. Then you have the 0 to 39-year-old group, the second group. They have no personal memory of Egypt. They weren't alive at that time. They have no personal memory of the Exodus. They have no personal memory of Mount Sinai. They have no personal memory of, Mount, of Numbers 14 here. Uh, they're all secondhand stories. And I don't mean that that's bad. That's just the reality. So you have people that are there who have had firsthand experience, and you have people there that have secondhand experience. All of them know the desert. All of them know about wandering. All of them know about some aspects of war. And all of them know about living in a theocracy. Uh, Those are the people that we meet in Joshua that make up. Now, oftentimes, I think this group of people uh, get kind of portrayed as like this... uh, kind of this bunch of uh, unimpressive nincompoops. I mean, dudes, you've been wandering like in a same state for 40 years. Can't you get across the border? You know, a bunch of nincompoops. Um, but here's the deal. I would say, are they wanderers? Yes. Are they whiners? Yes. But unimpressive nincompoops? No, not at all. Uh, let me give you a couple reasons why. Number one, uh, they have a very unique story. I mean, of all the people on the earth, these people have a very unique story behind them. They have a story of slavery in Egypt. They have a story of coming out of slavery in Egypt. They have a story of, of Mount Sinai and the whole Exodus. They have the whole Numbers 14 story. Also, I just add along with their unique story is they've never had a place. They've rented their whole life. They've never had a place. That has impact on you in that reality. They also are kind of in this holding tank time to where you know that your future is dependent upon when you get to this place. Can we just get there? Also, I'll just say with this, um, they have a unique story in that everything they own is portable. You make it, you take it. Dad, can we build a tree house? Yeah. Dad, let's take the treehouse with us. Sorry, son. Can't do that. Their life is very unique story. Secondly, they have a very unique community. I won't go into this, but that's really when you do get into uh, uh, parts of Exodus, the latter parts of Exodus, you get into Leviticus and some of Deuteronomy. You see this structure and the care that God has put in this community. In a barbarian world at the time, there was no nation like these people at that time. No nation was set up with a governance like they had. No nation was set up for caring for the poor and one another like they had. Never, never, not a not. This was a very unique community. And and for them, home was not defined as a place. Home was defined as a people. You know, when I say, hey, where's your home? Avon, Plainfield, Brownsburg, Danville, you know, uh, Indy. Uh, When you ask them, they're like, where's your home? It's with these people. Isn't that cool? I like that. I wish we were more like that. Where's your home? With my peeps. That's where home is at. They had a unique community. Third, they had a very unique battle experiences. And I'm not going to go into that, but we'll see some of those. They've already had winning and losing experiences. But these are not nincompoops who don't know war. They do. 
And fourth and final, I'm just going to say this. They had a very unique tent. And they had a very unique ark. And they had a very unique king. And all of that was in the center, literally, of their community at the time. I mean, these people were not nincompoops because they had seen and every day the power and the presence of God by fire and by cloud. Every day they had this. This was a people unlike any others, but this was also a people that was waiting for a sending base place and God was taking them there. Well, well, that's about some of the people. Let's turn and talk about the person of Joshua here for a while. Joshua. One word stands out to me about Joshua, and it's this. If I were to pick one word for him, it would be warrior. Warrior. Guys, we're going to love this guy. This guy's a stud. Um, this guy is so cool. But when I say warrior, I think there's a tendency to think warriors are someone besides me. Um. I appreciate the humility in that. But I think one of the things that we put off is we think this is for someone else. The fact is the definition of a warrior is one who's engaged or experienced in warfare. Think about that. A person that's engaged in and experienced in warfare, shouldn't that be God's people? Shouldn't that be the follower of Christ? I agree. I say yes. So here's the deal. God calls warriors for himself and warrioresses for himself. And that's what we're going to take a look at. So what I want to do is I want to get for us to get to know Joshua, but I want to pick out five traits about Joshua. So turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Hang a right in your Bible. Joshua chapter 1. I just want to look at one verse, and it's the first one. Joshua chapter 1. And it says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... Uh, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses is what? Assistant. Uh, what, what's the other translation? Servant, aid. Uh, everybody turn, just real quick here, Numbers 11. Uh, we're, I realize we're jumping around. That's okay. Numbers 11. I would just want to see one statement here. Numbers 11, verse 28, that adds to this. Numbers 11, verse 28. It says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, not a Nun, the man Nun. <laughs> Joshua, sorry, bad joke. Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth. Now, we don't know what age. And in fact, the terminology in Hebrews that's used here is a bit, there's kind of a different few ways to go with this. The point of this is, is that time, that's what I want to pull out. Joshua was an assistant with Moses over a good period of time. Uh, let me put it this way. Five points for warriors. Number one, warriors hang with warriors. Warriors hang with warriors. And by the way, not by accident, on purpose. Uh, Elisha had Elijah. Jonathan had David, the disciples had Jesus, Paul had Barnabas, Timothy had Paul, Luke Skywalker had Yoda, uh, Doug and Karen had Randy and Cindy. What about you? 
just a quick note on that, uh, uh, Randy and Cindy. There were a couple from church uh, 25 years ago in our life. And there were a couple at a church that we were going to at the time, and I was in business at the time. And, and the thing that stuck out about Randy and Cindy was their kids. We didn't even really know Randy and Cindy at the time. But we saw their two kids, and they had a boy and a girl, and we had a young boy and a girl, and their kids were about 10 years older than our kids. And the thing that stuck out about their kids was their kids. <laughs> I mean, they were just like, Karen, I would love it if Luke and Emily could be like Jim and Becky. I would love that. She's like, I would love our kids to be like that too. What's going on? And I'll say maybe naively, uh, innocently, even selfishly, we were like, you know what? Something's going on in that family because their kids rock. And I want to find out what's going on in their life and with their kids and what's happening. So we just kind of decided to purposely place ourselves around them. It was one of those innocent, smart things that we weren't smart enough to know what we were doing, but God was good enough just to allow us to do. And over years of time, we just hung with Randy and Cindy. Whenever we could, we never had a Bible study. We never had organized one-on-one time. But we took just about every opportunity we could to be with them. And Randy was kind of a pastor to pastors, and so at times I'd take times off work and I'd travel along with him, and I'd just be a servant boy driving the car to places, selling books at the table when he was doing conferences, sitting in the back of the room, just watching this guy minister for me in a way. I had never seen anybody minister the word of God like that ever before or prior to that. And just God in his goodness allowed us to be able to be around a couple who, who completely changed our lives. We would not be here, I truly believe had it not been for that couple, God using them in our lives. Our kids would not be what our kids today had we not put ourselves around them. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm actually going, I, we had no idea that's what was going to happen. But I'm so grateful that the Lord allowed us to be around someone. And just after that experience and walking away from that, now as an older adult and with our kids, I just say this to all of us. Hey, who are you placing yourself around? Strategically, on purpose, over length of time. It doesn't have to be a church organized mentoring program. Just do it. Just step up to the plate. I now look back and I go, didn't even know it, but apparently that's what warriors do. Who are you placing yourself around? And I ask this question, are you placing yourselves around warriors for Christ or are you placing yourself around, and I mean this sadly, wimps for Christ? This is one of the biggest things we're trying to do as a church is we're trying to instill in people that it's about getting together. It's not just about the data. It's about sharing life together. Who are you placing yourself around? Number one, I think we learned from Joshua's warriors hang with warriors. By the way, can you imagine being Joshua and by the sovereignty of God being able to hang around Moses? Cool. Cool. Get behind the curtain. Warriors hang with warriors. Secondly, warriors understand power. Turn to Exodus 17. Exodus 17. This is the very first time that Joshua is named in the scriptures. Exodus 17. Uh, 
Moses, right before this, has brought water from the rock for the thirsty people. We pick up verse 8. Verse 8. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to who? Joshua, choose for us men. Go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. I'm going to tell you, I don't know all the details about how all that came together, what happened, but I'm just putting together from Joshua 1 and then from Numbers 11 that he was somehow an assistant uh, for a period of time and they already had this relationship going on. And Moses in this battle, all of a sudden, Joshua, time to step up, dude. How about this? General time. General time. And so he does, verse 10. So Joshua did as Moses told him. What a submissive guy. Hey, listen, warriors love being submissive to more mature warriors. And he told them, and they fought back with Amalek. Uh, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill, whenever Moses held his hands, I love this story, Israel prevailed, and whenever he lowered his hands, Amalek prevailed. I mean, it's both sad and funny at the same time. Uh, but Moses' hands grew weary. You know how that's going. Hold your hands up, and after a while, you're like, uh, uh, and then you let your hands down, and you see your people getting killed. Hands up! <laughs> and then it's like, ah! and there's like, help me. And then you got two guys there, and here he sits them on her. It's just hilarious, sad, and stunning, all in a wrapped package. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Look at this statement. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Hold, hold on. Hold on. Joshua overwhelmed the people with the sword? What about the whole thing going up on the hill and the hands deal? Listen, who really overwhelmed the people? Well, God did. No, but it stated Joshua did. No, but God did. No, but Joshua did. I love this. I love this tension. I love the fact in here that it's the matter of uh, uh, good leaders, good warriors are the kind of men and the kind of women who understand that they work like it's on their shoulders and they pray like it's all God's doing. I, I mean, trusting in the Lord is not apathetic, sitting back, just waiting for a big God to do his thing because he's sovereign in control. He's going to do whatever he wants. So, <sighs> Pass the bonbons. That's not what's going on. You see Joshua. You think Joshua's out there acting like that? No, no, no. Joshua's out there directing his men like he's in charge and it's happening out there. And yet we know in the reality of up on the hill is what's really going on in the whole process of it all. Warriors understand where the power resides. Warriors understand where the powers reside. And by the way, in the statement, the way we read it here in Exodus 17, Joshua knew exactly what was happening up on the hill, but yet he's still down there fighting away. Warriors work for Jesus Christ like it's their responsibility and pray knowing it's God's responsibility. You know, the world says, uh, if you dream it, it will happen. That is so self-power. Come on. That's just a lie. Jim Collins in his book, Great by Choice, he has a statement in there uh, really talking about with leaders, and it's called Healthy Paranoia. Um, 
I'm going to try and steal it just for a second here with application. Collins talks about it in his book for business leaders in that. He said uh, uh, they need to have their hands on the pulse of the risks and they need to understand the obstacles before them and being willing to talk about them and concerned about them. They need to have a healthy paranoia. I want to kind of take it this way. Biblically, I think God's warriors need to have a healthy paranoia. In other words, they go at it in obedience to what the Lord has called, knowing all along, though, that it's not their thing, it's God's thing. It's like I'm running after it, I'm going after it, but oh God, if you're not in this, this is going to be total failure in that reality of it. Warriors hang with warriors. Warriors understand power. Third, warriors see the glory. Turn to Exodus 24. Joshua was a general fighting under Moses' leadership. And yet, can you imagine them hanging out together behind the curtain when all the leaders got together after that battle and they're talking about what's happening down below on ground level as well as Moses is talking about what's happening up on the hill from God's perspective and what's going on. What a cool opportunity for Joshua. Joshua got to understand power. Here, Joshua gets to understand glory. Exodus 24 Warriors for the Lord understand the glory of the Lord. Look uh, at verses 12 through 18. The Lord said to Moses, uh, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with who? With Joshua. Moses rose and with Joshua went up into the mountain of God. Joshua got to see this. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. And then the glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it. How many days? And the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountains in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud, went up onto the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. As I understand this, you've basically got all the people kind of down below at the foot of the mountain. Then you've got uh, some elders, leaders who are there with them. And Moses takes Joshua up with them uh, a bit more. And then, as I understand it, then Moses goes on up further to the top of the mountain, and Joshua's staying down part way. But I just want to say this, Joshua's seeing all this stuff that's going on. I mean, how cool is that? That Joshua gets to experience all this. Joshua is seeing the glory of the Lord firsthand. The glory of the Lord firsthand in how this works. Uh, Warriors understand, see, experience the glory of the Lord. For you, is the glory of the Lord a knowledge thing only? Uh, or is it a seen thing? Uh, warriors for the Lord, uh, one of the things I've observed over time, they look back and they talk about times in their life where they're like, that was God, no question about it. God showed up. And I'll also say in that reality, people that kind of have a hard time clicking and associating the whole God thing into their life don't have those kinds of stories. Well, what's God's problem with those people? Wait a second, wait a second. I think it's the reality of not paying attention to what God is doing. Warriors pay attention. 
Warriors pay attention to God's glory. It's not about their glory. They're the kind of men, they're the kind of women that want to see God do a work. Do you? I mean, not just knowledge-wise, but experientially-wise. They get off their glory, and they get on God's glory. And it's not about being consumed by what you want, or your rights, or your name, or your image, or your fame, or your time, or your glory. It's about God's thing. Man, we all struggle with that, don't we? By the way, just turn along with us. Turn to Numbers 11. Numbers 11. Practical example. Not only does... uh, Joshua have the opportunity to see the glory of the Lord, but here Joshua has the opportunity to watch another warrior, a more mature warrior, handle glory. Watch this. Uh, uh, Numbers 11, verses 24 to 29. So Moses went out and told the words of the Lord to the people, and he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tent. This is interesting. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke to him and took some of, look at this, took some of the spirit that was upon Moses and put it on the 70 elders. I, I, I genuinely, I don't know what that's doing. But I'm just going to take the text for its word because it's God's word. And he takes some of the spirit that was on Moses and he puts it on the 70 elders. And as soon as the spirit rested on them, uh, these prophesied. Uh, but they did not continue doing it. And now two men remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other named Medad. It sounds like a rap group. And, and the spirit rested on them. And, and they were among these, those registered, but they had gone out to the tent so that the prophet uh, prophesied in the camp. They were prophesying in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, Moses, Mel, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth, that was the verse we read, said, Lord, uh, my Lord Moses, stop them. But Moses said to them, are you jealous for my sake? Are you jealous for my glory? Would that all the Lord's people, would I cannot read today, would that all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would put his spirit on them. What a teaching moment. In other words, this is happening and, and, and Joshua comes to Moses. Moses, wait a second. They're doing what you do. Uh, I, he's been with him for all this time and bless his heart. He's trying to protect his mentor. He's trying to protect this mature warrior. And he's like, they're doing what you do. And Moses is like, I wish everyone would do this. It's okay, my friend. It's not about me. This is about, the, about God's glory. What a teaching moment for Joshua and for you and I. Whose glory are you about? For real. At work, whose glory are you about for real? In church, whose glory are you about for real? Whose glory am I about for real? Listen, friends, this is to be about the Lord's glory. Statement, real warriors do not confuse themselves with God. 
Real warriors do not confuse themselves with God. Oh, may we not be that. Warriors hang with warriors. Warriors understand power. Warriors see the glory forth. Warriors sometimes stand alone. Turn to Numbers 13. You're right there. Summary. God tells Moses to send men into the promised land to spy it out. So he sends uh, 12 men from the 12 tribes. And one of those men is Joshua. We pick up at uh, Numbers 13 verse 25 in the report. At the end of the 40 days, they returned. The spies returned. Verse 26, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. Uh, they brought back word to them, to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. Got the picture? They've been over there for 40 days. They come back. They bring fruit. They bring this stuff. They're giving a report, verse 27, and they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us, and it flows with milk and honey. Doesn't mean a whole lot to us. Don't want to take the time to explain it, but it meant a lot to them. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, I have however underlined, however, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Parasites, all those sites, uh, dwell in the, all this land, and, and they dwell there, verse 30, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, he quieted them. You see, they're getting them all ruffled up. This is an awesome land. I mean, we're talking Hawaii, <laughs> at least for them. But the people are huge, and they are strong. And I'm telling you, I'm scared to death, you guys. And Caleb's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on here. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it. <laughs> For we are well able to overcome it. Uh, then the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people. For they are stronger than we are. Do you see what's going on? People versus people. Oh, how often do we do that? Oh, they are more talented. Well, they're better looking. We're... They, uh, and that's what's going on. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. Verse 6, chapter 14. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, said to all the congregation of the people, the land which we passed through to spy it out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, oh, there's the difference. Now we have a God view in the whole equation. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are bread for us. What a warrior. What a perspective. You know, our culture has this idea in a democratic society that the majority gets it right. You know, it's interesting, side item, it's interesting just in church governance. I never hear passages of this talked about with congregational governance. Leaders lead. 
and people need to be led. Leaders lead, warriors for Jesus Christ live with a big view of Jesus Christ. And they don't do it with arrogance. They don't do it alone. You see in the scriptures, it's always a plurality. It's always a plurality of leadership. And here are these warriors. They're doing it together. I just want to say this, uh, by the way, uh, just a warning. Being a warrior or a warrioress for the Lord, you just expect there is going to be times of great loneliness. Great loneliness. There are going to be times of massive vulnerability. And you need to be ready to stand alone. Teens. When others say, hey, how about doing this? What's your guide? Who's your guide? Are you ready to stand alone if need be? Singles. Singles, adults. When others say it's all about career, it's all about coolness, it's all about hotness, it's all about sex. You ready to stand alone? Married couples, adults. When the world says earn more, get more, be all about you. We need to stand. We need to stand. Warriors do that. Warriors can stand alone. Fifth and last, warriors pass the baton. Deuteronomy 31. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 31. This is amazing. Joshua knew what it was to stand alone. He's willing to stand for the Lord. And watch this. Joshua now gets to watch Moses pass the baton to him. This has to have impact. Deuteronomy 31, verse 1. So Moses continued to speak these words to all of Israel. And he said to them, I'm 120 years old today. Happy birthday, Mo. I am no longer able to go out and come in. So much for 65 retirement. Uh, I won't go there. (laughs) Uh, The Lord has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. The Lord, your God himself will go before you. By the way, did you get that? He just stated, listen, the Lord told him that he is not going over into the promised land. Moses. And there's no, like, I don't see anything in here giving the ideas whining about it. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure there's a sadness in it. But also Moses is owning up to his sin and the consequences of it by that statement. And he's getting on with it. You shall not, you, uh, to him, uh, Moses will not go over to the Jordan. But the Lord your God himself, he will go before you. He will destroy those nations before you so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. Joshua is going over as the head. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you. And you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. That is Joshua 1 next week, by the way. 
Verse 7, then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all of Israel, got this picture? Be strong and courageous, uh, Joshua, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Uh, Watching a, 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 a baton pass to someone is an amazing thing to have happen. It's an amazing thing to see it done well. And here Joshua has front seat on that. Moses understood that he was not indispensable. God had a plan. God had a time for him, but God also had a plan. There's no personal power grab going on. Why? Because this is God's thing. Heard the statement, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. Preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. You know, in a world that uh, is all about legacies, (laughs) preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. It's all in God's hands. It's okay. No one is indispensable, but everyone is unique. Everyone is unique. Warriors understand this process. There's something cool about being able to pass a baton on to people. I hope we're good with that. I hope you're good with that. I know as a parent, it's just a delight to be able to watch your kids, and we pray regularly for our kids. God, would you do more through them than you've ever done through us? love to see that happen pass the baton pass the baton be in a humility kind of place where we can do that a humbled place oh i pray that i would be that way i would pray that someday if i were to die that you might mourn for like a week or two or three and then move on move on it's okay and by the way the next guy's going to be different that's okay move on so my wife she has three months (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) warriors pass the baton well we learn of joshua just sum it up here's a guy who was mentored by moses he grew in understanding and experiencing the power and the glory of the lord and he was willing to stand alone and he saw the baton passed that's the guy we meet in joshua chapter one with that i just say this Warriors are built, not born. Do you yearn to be a warrior for the Lord? Or right now in your life, are you okay with comfy, cozy, convenient Christianity? If you are good with comfy, cozy Christianity, I want to love you enough to say this. God is not good with that. That's called lukewarm. And the Lord says he just would rather spit that out of his mouth. Today, one of the things I want us to walk away from with Joshua is we know we all need to step up. No more comfy, cozy, Christian, convenient life. I just want to tell you for the next five, six months, if that's where you happen to be right now, 
And if you were to admit that to yourself and to the Lord, that's fine. We're all growing and changing. None of us are there. But I do want to say this, over the next five to six months, I think we are all going to get very uncomfortable with that reality. Because we do not see a people that the Lord embraces that are comfy, cozy, and convenient. We see a people of warriors. That's what God's trying to build. We see them succeed at it and fail at it. But that's the goal. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to thank you for the time together here where we're able to open your word and we're able to talk about who you are and what you're about and what your thing is. Lord, I thank you for these people and the person of Joshua that we meet in the book we're about to enter in starting next Sunday. Lord, there's story behind them. They are real people who lived real lives. They're not just cartoon uh, character clip art kind of things going on. They're real people. And we can learn from them by how they did relationship with you well and how they did relationship with you poorly. And out of this, we're going to learn so much about who you are and what you want and what you desire. And oh God, I just pray in these coming months that you would just pour yourself out on us, that we would know you more, see you bigger, understand you in ways we haven't understood you before, wrestle through hard topics, delight in the things that are joyful, and delight in the things that are hard. Oh God, just show us yourself. And Lord, I also pray that we would step it up in our mindset. Lord, you have done a work here that is just all you. It's all you. There's an aspect of we're working like it's our thing, but we know it's your thing. And God, do more. We want to see more of you. We want to know more of you. We want to experience the reality. We want to experience your forgiveness and your grace, but we also want to experience your strong call. You are strong. You are the one that conquers. And only because of you do, can we even begin to talk like this. But you are the conquering king. And you want to be the one who reigns and who is held boldly out for the world. May we be that. You're good. And you're awesome. Show us yourself. In your name we pray. Amen.